Don't have time for anything else. Amen? Turn with me to Hebrews 11, and I want to share with you today a second message on stepping stones. Didn't mean to go into a series on stepping stones, but I kind of stumbled into one, no pun intended. (laughs) And I want to talk to you today about faith. How many of you would like your faith increased? All right. How many of you got something you wish God would do for you? And you know it's not going to happen unless God does it. Amen? <clears throat> Hebrews eleven six is probably one of the most familiar verses on faith in the Bible. It's one of my absolute favorites. I love it. And I'm going to talk to you today about the stepping stones of faith. And while you're turning to Hebrews eleven six, <clears throat> let me make a quick plug for Wednesday night. Took a little break last Wednesday night. Our thanks to Tom Dooley for filling in. And um, this Wednesday night, I'm going to begin a brand new series. I've never taught this in all my life. And I'm going to call it The Seven Cries from the Cross. The Seven Final Sayings of Jesus Christ from the Cross. Now, let me just, let me just uh, give you a little foretaste. He had a word of forgiveness. He had a word of salvation, a word of affection, a word of anguish, a word of suffering, a word of victory. And the last thing he said was a word of contentment. And I'm going to take about three weeks and we're going to go over the seven sayings of Jesus, the last things he uttered. You know, when somebody's dying, they're not interested in talking about the weather. They're going to talk about what is most on their mind. Jesus uttered seven things from the pain of the cross. Don't miss it starting this Wednesday night. It's going to be good stuff. Amen? Now, Hebrews eleven six. 6. Here is the writer, and he's talking about faith, and he tells us something about our walk with God. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must. Can you say with me, must? Now, here's what faith does. It believes that he is, must believe that he is, and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. That's faith. Now, I'll quote two others to you real quickly. Habakkuk 2.4 says, The just shall live by his faith. And then 2 Corinthians 5.7, Paul says, We walk by faith. Father, thank you for strengthening our faith today and helping us to understand how to obtain the promises of God. In Jesus' name, can you breathe a prayer, church, and and pray, Lord, increase my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, perk up and listen. You need your faith built. Now, listen to these verses. I love the verses about faith. Without faith, you can't please him. The just shall live by faith, and we walk by faith. Now, according to these verses, Christians walk by faith, live by faith, and exercise faith in order to please God. How many of you in here consider yourself a Christian? Well, we got some about half-masked. I need to pray for you at the end. I think so. Let's 
<laughs> if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, when you got born again, he created a new species of being that has never before been. A new species of being. That's what a Christian is. We don't walk, walk like the world. We don't think like the world. We're not supposed to. We live on a different principle. We live by different rules. We live by different truth. Now, the Bible says that as Christians, we walk by faith. We live by faith. We exercise faith toward God every day of the week. This week, I exercised faith toward God. Last night, when I got with God about these services, I exercised faith toward God. Some of you have come here today, most of you, exercising faith toward God. You're expecting to be blessed. You're expecting to be spoken to. You're expecting to be encouraged. You're expecting for your faith to be built. You're expecting to be edified. We are to exercise faith toward God. Now, when I look at the life of Jesus, when I read the stories of Jesus' interactions with people, it is very clear to me that one of the primary thrusts of Jesus' ministry was to teach people how to operate in faith. He was always teaching people how to use faith. Have you ever noticed that? He was always talking about people's faith or lack of faith. We find him regularly asking, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Or chastising his followers with this, oh, you of little faith, why are you afraid? Or we find him wondering aloud, you find this one a lot, how is it that you have no faith? How do you have no faith? Jesus, when Jesus met people, Jesus was always sizing up their faith or their lack of it. You know, when I meet people, I might be thinking certain things about them, uh, you know, how they talk, how they present themselves. But Jesus always got a measure on your faith level. He was always commenting on people's faith. Have you ever noticed that? Little faith, great faith. He said of one man, I have not found such great faith, not in all of Israel, but to his own disciples, oh, you of little faith, why are you afraid? And then he rebuked the winds and the sea. We find him challenging his listeners to believe in the power of faith in God. He says, if you only had faith the size of a mustard seed, you would speak to this mountain, and this mountain would be removed if you had faith. So Jesus, if you followed Jesus around, you were always going to be told things about your faith. He was always commenting on faith. And if you study the gospel stories that illustrate the miracles that Jesus performed, a pattern begins to emerge that reveals how faith works. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm supposed to walk by faith, live by faith, and exercise faith in God, then I want to know how faith works, how it operates, how I can operate in the arena of faith. Because folks, what is in that world, what is in the spirit realm that God has for us here, we're never going to have it apart from faith. God's got so many blessings for you and me, and yet they're never going to come from there to here but by faith. Faith is like casting a fishing line into the other world with bait on it. 
You cast that faith into the other world. And God says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to do this or that in your life. And so you cast faith into that other world. You cast it towards God. And then by faith, here it comes. And suddenly, in time and in space and in our experience, we have what God had for us there. But it comes from there to here. It comes by faith. It doesn't come by your good looks. It doesn't come by your charisma. It doesn't come by your pedigree. It doesn't come by your your education. It comes by faith. It comes by faith. Now, last week, we talked about how to turn a stumbling stone into a stepping stone, but today, I want to talk to you about a different stepping stone, the stepping stones that lead from desire to fulfillment, from petition to provision, the stepping stones of faith. I see the way faith operates and how Jesus dealt with people. Now, let me talk to you about it. The first stepping stone that gets us from petition to provision is direction. Can you say with me direction? Now, what do I mean by direction? Here's what I mean. You've got to direct your faith to the right source. Now, this may seem elementary to you, but I got to tell you, folks, people all the time direct their hope and direct faith towards something that cannot deliver. You've got to direct your faith to the right source. Now, we've all watched this week the tragedy, this heart, gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching story of the six miners trapped down underground in Utah. And I've followed it every day, and boy, my, my prayers have gone up to God, and I want to see them delivered. And, um, uh, but one headline one day read like this, and I wrote it down because it spoke to me. Here's what the headline said. Utah rescuers may have drilled into the wrong site. And that jumped out at me. Why? Because that's what people sometimes do. See, those families, they're not hurting for hope. Their hope springs eternal. Even today, they were saying, we still have hope. See, God wired you and me to have hope and to have faith. Did you know that? God wired human beings to have hope and to have faith. We believe many things. Even if you're an atheist... You've got your faith in something, and you've got your hope in something. There is not a human being alive that is not exercising hope and faith in something. That's the way God wired us. But here's the deal. You can put faith. See, they had hope that they could find their loved ones. They had faith that they could reach them. But their hope and faith went to the wrong place. And so we have this news story coming over that they drilled and they dropped down that oxygen line, but they realized it went into the wrong site. It was not where they were. And that's exactly what people do. People put their faith and their hope in something that cannot deliver. You know, David, the psalmist talked about idols. And he said, you're you're turning to idols that have eyes, but they see not. Ears, but they do not hear. Mouths, but they do not speak. In other words, he is talking about the futility of turning your faith and hope towards something that cannot deliver. It doesn't deliver. The Bible talks about misplaced faith. You can have real hope and genuine faith, but you can turn to the wrong source. Jeremiah prophesied to Israel, and Jeremiah said, Man, you're turning to wells that can't hold water. You're turning to cisterns that are broken. You're turning to something 
with your faith and your hope that it cannot deliver. It can't give you what you want. The first stepping stone of faith is to take your faith to the right source. And that right source, ladies and gentlemen, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not let you down. He will not disappoint you. You will not come away empty with sand sifting through your fingers with disappointment when you turn to Christ by faith, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Listen, before I was saved, I I had hope and faith in a lot of things. There was a season in my life, very unfortunate season when I was a teenager, that I turned to drugs to hopefully give me some kind of peace and balance in my life, and I was wrong. They did not. And then later on, as a 18-year-old or so, 17-year-old, I turned to Zen Buddhism and some of the Eastern mystical religions. I mean, I got into it, y'all. I would go out in the country, out in the woods, and sit down on the ground in a lotus position and say, Aum, hoping to become one with the universal rhythm of nature. All I got was ant bit and a headache. It did not provide. Y'all hear me now. It didn't provide. I was looking for God in all the wrong places. See, you can have hope and you can have faith, but you can turn them to the wrong place. There's only one place faith can go where you're going to get results, where what is there is going to be brought here. And it is when you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. He will not let you down. You know, Paul the Apostle in Romans 5, 5, talks about a hope that never disappoints uh, or deludes us. Paul said, hope, our hope, our hope that is put in God does not make us ashamed. It does not leave us empty. It does not leave us disappointed because God has shed abroad in our hearts his love by the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you something today, church? Jesus is in his heaven. The Holy Ghost is moving on the earth. God is on his throne. And when you take his word with faith in his word and you turn towards Jesus and say, Lord, in Jesus' name. This is what I'm asking you for. And you turn to him in faith. He may say yes. He may say no. He may say wait. But I'm telling you, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. You turn to Jesus Christ and he's going to pour out his spirit on your life. He's going to fill you with that living water that once you've tasted of it, you will never want anything else. It's the living waters of the Holy Ghost. And he's here today. And he wants to fill your heart and life with his power and his peace and his joy. And thank God, when I turn to him in faith, There is an answer. There is a yes and an amen over every promise of God. There is a release from heaven to earth because I put my faith in the right place. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle. I am I'm easy on you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you'll find rest for your souls. So the first stepping stone of faith is to bring your need and bring your faith to the right 
place. And some of you listening by radio and some of you that are here, I want to tell you something. Good intentions will not do it. We have enshrined in our culture good intentions. If I just mean well, then God will honor my good intentions. Can I tell you, you can have good intentions all the way to hell. Say, Pastor Jeff, that's pretty hard. Jesus said it. Listen, you can have good intentions and go off into something that God has not sanctioned. Go off into something that God has not not ordained. Go off into something that God has not sent. You can put your faith into it and your hope into it, but it will not deliver. There is one thing that God answers, and that is that old wooden cross with his son hanging on it and his blood spilling down that tree and that perfect sacrifice for your sins and mine. When you turn to that blood and you turn to that Messiah and you turn to that cross. The cross is the great equalizer. There, there is not black or white or yellow or red or rich or poor or male or female. At that cross, God says, I love you. And it is there. I will answer you, forgive your sins, raise you from the dead, stand you on your feet, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And that's the only place. Amen. Everybody there? <laughs> Say amen, Pastor Jeff. Amen. All right, the second stepping stone of faith is obedience. Now, I want you to hear me on this one. This is so important, obedience. Remember this. When God gets ready to do a miracle in your life, he first gives a command. This is what I find in the stories of Jesus Christ. As he ministered to people and did miracles all over the land, when he got ready to bless a person, he first gave them a command. And so I say obedience to what God requires is the second stepping stone to faith that works, faith that brings results. I want you to listen closely to the following commands of Jesus Christ. And as I read these, I want you to realize that he gave every one of these commands to somebody who was about to receive a miracle. But nobody that he spoke to received a miracle, but what they first received, a command, and they had to obey the command. Listen to these commands. Fill the water pots with water. He said to the servants at the wedding in Cana, Fill those water pots with water. Second command, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch, he commanded his disciples. Third command, roll away the stone, he commanded Mary and Martha prior to Lazarus' resurrection from the dead. Fourth command, stretch forth your hand, he commanded the man with the withered hand prior to his hand being made whole. Listen to how Jesus triggered faith. Fill, launch, roll, stretch. You want a miracle? Fill, launch, roll, stretch. Why can't you just do it? Because I require obedience to a command because it is how faith is activated. Faith is activated 
by obedience to the commands of God. Oh, I tell you, church, I know this is true. I know this is how God operates. You know, Kathy and I, uh, for years and years and years, have been in ministry. We've undertaken several works, several steps of faith. And I can tell you, looking back, never did we ever see God move on our behalf, but what he first gave us a command. And that command had to be obeyed. And once the command was obeyed, then God began to move on our behalf. But until we obeyed, God didn't move and neither did we. When God gets ready to do a miracle in your life, he first gives a command. A miracle is waiting on the other side of your obedience. Fill, launch, roll, stretch. The second stepping stone of faith is obedience to the requirements of God. Mary told the servants at the wedding, best advice a mother ever gave. She said, whatever he says to you, do it. See, Nike stole from Mary. They just put just in front of it. Just do it. Just do it. Mary said, the best advice I can give you and the best advice church that I can give you is whatever Jesus says to you, you do that. If you do what Jesus tells you to do, you're in a win-win situation. You cannot lose. Whatever he says to you, do it. And so they fill the water pots with water based on his command. And when they fill the water pots with water based on his command, between filling these water pots, 20 to 30 gallon water pots apiece, filling it with water, obeying his word, between doing that and walking them to the master of the feast, they turn from water to wine. As they walked it to the master of the feast. See, obedience activates faith. We could almost call this second stepping stone the activation step. It is how faith is activated. God will tell you, here's what I want you to do, and if you'll do it, then I'm going to do this over here. As soon as you begin to do it, I'm going to do this. And as you obey, the miracle begins to happen. Are you hearing me today, church? Let, let me show you. Ten lepers came to Jesus, ten of them. And they said, he said, what do you want? And they said, Lord, we want you to make us clean. And he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. Now notice, they wanted a miracle. And what did Jesus do? He gave them a command. And that command was to be obeyed. And it says in the Bible that as they went, not as they stood there negotiating with Jesus, not as they stood there saying, well, maybe we'll do it someday, but as they went obeying the word of the Lord, it says as they went, they were healed. You see, when God wants to bless you, he'll give you a command. And when you do that command, it releases the power of God onto your life. He may be telling you, you need to forgive somebody, or you may need to ask somebody to forgive you, or you need to launch out and do something that I'm telling you to do. You need to take a step of faith. Maybe you need to get something out of your life that's in your life that shouldn't be there, or bring something in that's not there that needs to be there. Whatever it is that God is telling you to do, I'm telling you that when God gets ready to bless you, he gives you a command. There are requirements for obedience, and when you do them, God begins to move. Samuel the prophet told a backsliding king, Saul, he said, here's the problem, Saul. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken is better than the fat of rams. Saul, God doesn't want your sacrifices. God wants your obedience. God wants you to do what he said. 
And if you'll do what God said, God will move on your behalf. When Jesus told Peter to launch into the deep, Peter protested and he said, man, Lord, we've been fishing all night long. We didn't get so much as a perch. We haven't had a bump. We haven't had anything. But then he said something that's one of the most powerful responses in the Bible. He said, nevertheless, at your word. Oh, church, there's a life changer for you. Nevertheless, at your word, I will go out. Lord, it looks crazy. We fished all night. Nevertheless, I don't think we're going to catch anything, but nevertheless. And as soon as they began to row, I guarantee you every row they took, those fish started swarming towards them. Under the water, under the boat, as they obeyed. Are y'all catching this now? As if he had stood there and said, you know, Lord, you don't get it. We fished all night and there had never been a nevertheless. We're going to the house. I'm tired. The boys are tired. My eyes are bloodshot and they're burning when I shut them. I can't see any purpose in going out there. And he hadn't done it. There would have been no great big catch of fish by which to glorify God. But he said, nevertheless, at your word. See, something can look dead until God says, speaks a word over it. And when God speaks a word over it, it doesn't matter what it looks like to you. If God speaks a word over it, then everything is changed by a word from God. So nevertheless, and so they go out there and I love the story. You know the story. They cast that net over and all of a sudden, They thought maybe at first they were hung, but they weren't hung on a log or something underneath. No, so many fish that their net began to break. Peter ran to the Lord, fell on his knees, said, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man and my ways are sinful. He realized that it was Jesus Christ who was the Messiah. It was the Messiah that was dealing with him. And how did Peter find out who he was? By obeying the word. Man, God has a word for us today, church. His obedience, Peter's obedience became the activation step that brought breakthrough and it brought success. See, here's the way that it works. When you and I do what we can do, God does what we cannot do. When you and I do what we can do in obedience to his word, he does what we cannot do. The miracle that only God can bring about. I can't heal somebody, but I can anoint you with enough oil to slide you into the next room and believe God to heal you. The Bible doesn't tell me to heal people, but it does tell me to anoint you with oil. And I can anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith, but only God can heal. I can't bring supernatural financial increase, but I can tithe. And when I obey God and do what I can do, God does what I cannot do. I can't save anybody, but I can preach the gospel. And when I preach that gospel, God reaches out by the power of God and touches hearts and converts souls and brings people to him and changes lives. I can't raise the dead, but I can roll the stone away. If they hadn't filled the water pots, there'd have been no wedding miracle. If they hadn't rolled away the stone, there'd have been no resurrection of Lazarus. If they hadn't given Jesus the five loaves and two fish, there'd have been no miraculous feeding of the thousands. If the man with a withered hand hadn't stretched it forth, he would have died with a withered hand. What water pots do you need to fill? 
What bread do you need to give? What boat do you need to launch? What obstacle do you need to roll away so that God can release himself onto your life? I'm telling you, this is real. Jesus said, have faith in God. And Bible faith always requires an expression, an action, a step preceding the release of God's power. Always. You got to take a step. See, faith, Bible faith, is not a noun. It's a verb. It is not a dog laying asleep in the yard. It is a roaring lion attacking. Faith reaches out and grabs hold. Faith makes your feet take steps. Faith opens your mouth with a testimony. Faith changes your life. Bible faith brings results. And God will tell you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to forgive. I want you to take that step of faith. You know, with this building, God kept saying to me, he kept saying, now, Jeff, I want you to get that building. And I prayed about it and walked around it and stood it and prayed some more. And finally, one day, God said, you've prayed enough. I want you to get the building. And I said, Lord, I just think I need to pray a little bit more. He said, you've prayed enough. I want you to walk in faith, step in faith and get the building. And, and if you don't do it, you're about to be in disobedience to me. So I started stepping towards the building, and he moved one mountain after another after another, and the hand of God began to be stretched out, and now we're going to a building that, that is 52,600 square feet. It's only $3,000 more a month than this, and we're getting in. But nothing happened until I took that step and began to negotiate went to the owner, began to obey God. Then the hand of the Lord was stretched out and the hand of the Lord began to move. And that's exactly what he'll do for you. Now, the last thing about faith is prepare. The final stepping stone is to prepare. Now, I want to tell you a quick Bible story and then we'll close today. Prepare. Can you say with me, prepare? In the Bible, Elijah had brought all of Israel into repentance over Baal worship. They'd all repented, and it had not rained for three and a half years because of the rebuke of God on Israel for its idolatry. Now they've repented. Elijah is sitting on a mountaintop. He's got a little servant with him, and he says, now I'm going to pray that it rains. And he said to the servant, I want you to go and look out at the sky over the sea, and I want you to tell me what you see. And so the servant went out once. He went out twice. He went out thrice. He went out four times, five times, six times. And every time he went out, he came back to Elijah with a bad report. And he said, there's nothing. There's not anything. There is nothing. But see, Elijah did not care. You know why? Because I, Elijah saw something in the spirit. He saw something in his soul. He was hearing something that was not there. God was telling him what was coming. The earth was cracked. All the animals had died. There had not been dew on the ground or rain for three and a half years. Ask any meteorologist what that would do to any city, any place on the globe. Everything would die. There was nothing green. Everything had gone. And now here is this prophet 
on top of a mountain, and he said something. He said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And the little servant looked out there and said, man, you've been in the sun too long. It's too hot. You're heat stroke because there is no cloud. There is nothing. He said, I'm telling you what I hear. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. The seventh time, the little servant came back and he said, well, boss, here's the best we can do. There's a cloud the size of a man's hand. And here's what he said, prepare. He said, prepare. He said, why should I prepare? Because I'm hearing the sound of an abundance of rain and as dry as it has been, it's about to be just that wet. God's about to send a gully washer. We're about to be in a flood and you better prepare your chariot for what God is about to do. Suddenly the clouds began to gather. The sky grew dark. Lightning and thunder flashed and rolled and for the first time in three and a half years, sheets of rain began to fall. I mean, fall like a wall. And you know what happened? The chariot he was talking about got stuck in the mud because it was not prepared for the blessing of God. Church, can I prophesy a little something to you today? I stand here telling you, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Now, am I talking about physical rain? No. I'm talking about a net breaking, boat sinking load of harvest. I'm talking about a move of the Holy Spirit of God. I don't know where you're at, but I don't have time for religion. I don't have time for churchianity. I want to see multitudes getting saved. I want to see the Holy Ghost fall on his church. I want to see God move. And we've been praying and you've been praying. And now, guess what? Jesus said, launch out into the deep. And he showed us where to go. And now we're strengthening the net. And now we're preparing ourselves for what is coming. And some of you need to get ready. If you're going to, listen, you need to get prayed up. You need to get read up in the Bible. You need to get revved up in your spirit. You need to stir up the gift of God that is within you. Because we're going to need teachers and prayers and witnesses and workers. Because God is going to send rain. Amen. And so you've got to prepare. So Kathy and I are preparing. We're preparing in the Word. We're preparing in prayer. We're preparing the people. We're getting everybody ready. It's not like I expect, you know, 5,000 people the first Sunday. I'm just telling you that God is about to do something. Listen, darkness is covering the earth. The sign of Jesus' return is at the door. It could be any day. Night comes when no man can work. It's time to pick up the gospel and prayer and the shield of faith and move forward into a dark and dying world and let them know that put your faith and put your hope where it'll count. Put it in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his promises and in his person. He will not let you down. Amen. Can you say with me, direction, direction. Obedience, obedience, and preparation. preparation? Let's stand together, can we? Amen. Prepare thy chariot, church. Prepare your home, 
prepare your own spiritual life. One thing I've noticed with these stories is every time Jesus blessed, it inconvenienced the vessels that he used because the demand for what they had grew. So are you ready to be inconvenienced for the Lord? Amen. Are you ready? I'm ready. I want to pray a blessing on you. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God has a blessing for you. And it's in obedience. Father, I just thank you for the people of God today. And I speak a blessing over them. I pray that you'll make them the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Blessed in the storehouse and blessed in the field. Blessed in their going out and blessed in their coming in. I pray, Lord, that you will bring healing and restoration and unity to their families. I pray for parents to be reconciled to children and children to parents. I pray, Lord, that you will implant vision, a sense of your purpose for them. I pray that our unity will grow and that, God, you will bless Turning Point as we make our journey to the next level, that, God, you will bless it. I thank you that you're going to pick from among this congregation teachers and workers and prayers and witnesses and phone counselors and all kinds of outreaches that have never experienced that before. And I pray that that will happen. I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, can you just breathe a prayer and just say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.